0: Shabbat shalom. shalom. All right, so we rotate in leaders uh, to um, come up and give us the Torah reading. And I think this is probably the most feared of all the Torah readings with all of the names of these stones. Megan, what a great job, yes. Okay, so I'm in a series on the kingdom of God. This is our seventh in the series, and I think that's it for our series. And so seven is a good number to end on because it's the number of completion. So I think I'm on track, but uh, what a great series and what a great idea. The kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. That God's kingdom in heaven is coming to the earth. His will in heaven is coming to the earth. He's coming back to the earth, by the way right? And so his rule and reign is growing, 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 and it's going to hit its glorious phase when he comes again. And we're going to continue to rule and reign with him over everything and everyone. I'm so excited about that. Think about that for a moment. You know, I think, I think that when we rule and reign with Christ, part of that dimension or part, part of that job description is that we're going to judge the living and the dead, We're going to be sitting on thrones with him. We're going to process billions and billions and billions of people, and we're going to judge their lives. And uh, it's going to be quite the work, and it's going to take quite the time. But that's part of what it means to rule and reign with Christ, right? So I'm excited about that. I hope you are too. So today's title is The Power of the Spoken Word. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God here on earth nearly 2,000 years ago. And since that time, it's been growing and advancing throughout this world. One of the principal dynamics that increases and moves the kingdom is the spoken word. Coupled with faith, the spoken word ignites phenomena that bring about life-giving change, both in our lives, on a personal level, and the very world we live in. So today we're going to take a closer look at the nature and power of the spoken word. Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all over the hosts. The known universe, everything came into being through His Word. He spoke it into being. The whole universe is a Word-based universe. It operates through the principles of the spoken Word of God. He created all things out of nothing by speaking them into existence. Psalm 33, 9. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's a living word. It's active. It's alive. It's dynamic. It brings about change. The word of God. It can actually discern between thoughts and motives. It can, it can judge intents of the heart. That tells us that the word of God is intelligent. It's alive. It's living. It brought about the universe. It sustains the universe. It's going to be the very dynamic that judges the living and the dead. And we're called to participate with it. Proverbs 18 and verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life reside in the power of the tongue. What does that tell us? We're made in the image of God. We're like our Father in heaven. We need to understand that what we speak has power in it. It can affect our lives and the lives of those around us. It can affect the natural realm. Not just the spiritual realm, even the natural realm. We're like our Father in heaven. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The spoken word will either produce life or death related to its intended audience. Think about what we say to each other, to ourselves. Now, I know we all talk to ourselves. You used to have to put your phone up to your ear in the car to fake people out like you're talking to someone when you know you were talking to yourself. You know, now you don't have to do that with Bluetooth. You can just talk away and everyone's assuming you're talking to someone and you're all talking to yourselves. I know you do. Okay. So what we say to ourselves is very important because it affects us. Sometimes our biggest enemy is ourselves. Yeah. Death and life reside in the power of the tongue. Think about how negative words spoken to and over you impacted your life. Anyone ever say to you, you'll never amount to anything? God will never forgive you. You're stupid. You're such a loser. You can't do that. Anyone ever tell you, you can't do that? You'll always be poor. Your family is poor. Your grandparents were poor. It's just your lot in life, right? You're a failure. You're a homely, code for ugly, right? You're homely. No one will ever love you. You'll never get out of debt. You'll never get promoted. You'll always be sick. Your loved one is not going to make it. You know, my friend, since first grade, lifelong friend, our lives just overlapping and uh, really connected. I invited him over, I hadn't seen him for quite some time and uh, they were gonna come over and I got a phone call and his wife uh, was trying to inform me that they weren't gonna make it. And her, her voice was shaky and I thought, what is going on? It was a recorded message. And she began to describe on the phone that they weren't gonna be able to make it because her husband came down with COVID was very sick, and that um, he ended up in the hospital. So I called her up and was talking to her about that, and she said, yeah, he got COVID and uh, he just got into bed and quit eating, and about three days in, he was just a mess. He has diabetes, and so as a result, of course, you don't eat, you get into a lot of trouble with your blood sugar real quick, right? So he was in a lot of trouble. She called the doctor and tried to tell the doctor what was going on. And, and he told her, he says, you need to get your husband into the emergency room right now. Get, get him up and get him into the car and get him down here right away. She says, well, I, I've been sick with COVID too. She's, he said, then call an ambulance. And, uh, you know, they, they were just really struggling with, you know, calling an ambulance, the money factor, all that kind of stuff. And uh, she says, can I have a friend take, take us? And he says, yeah, who, who, get someone, get down here right now. If there's no one, call an ambulance. And so she had her daughter come, and uh, they got him out of bed, got him dressed, got him to the front door, and it was snowy out. They hadn't shoveled their walks. It was a snowstorm a couple weeks ago. And he collapsed right at the doorway, goes unconscious, just completely, You know, he's, he's out. And she's just thinking, you know, You know, is he dead? What, you know, we, you know, and so she's like beside herself and they're doing everything they can to pick him up, to get him into the car. They can't, they can't pick him up. he's too big. They they couldn't get him. Several cars stopped. People came across out of their cars in in the street and uh, were trying to help them get, you know, him into the car. And uh, there was one young kid there, early 20s, and he did everything he could and he just burst into tears just starts wailing. He was just overwhelmed with the whole scenario. It was just horrible. They ended up calling an ambulance. They came and they got him. They put him in and um and of course he was uh immediately uh put into a coma and intubated. He was just he was just, you know, at death's door. And so he was in there for a couple days and they could not get his uh blood pressure and oxygen levels you know stabilized he had the blood sugar problem they would correct that the blood pressure was just whack. And they addressed the blood pressure and then the blood sugar would go the other way and then of course not enough oxygen so they had to ventilate him so uh it was really you know a lot of problems and uh, they finally came to her and they said we have to kind of like inform you that we've done everything we could and he's probably not going to make it. She goes, "What do you mean?" You, you, you know. They said, "Well, you know, even even though he's intubated, you know, his oxygen's so low that he's not responding. And uh, you know, we got this last thing we're going to do. We're going to turn him. We're going to turn him face down to try to take some pressure off his lungs. But this is our final thing. We have nothing else in our arsenal. And they said, you know, he's probably going to pass by by morning. And we just need to let you know. You need to." to call, you know, whoever you're going to call, and you need to just get ready because, you know, basically it's over. And uh, so one of those calls was, was to me, and she was just weeping and crying, trying to tell me what was going on. And I told her, I said, you know, um, the doctors are fighting for him. They're doing everything they can. What do you think he wants you to do? Give up? I said, you know, we have something the doctors do not have. And the doctors, you know, they're angels of God for us. But they can only work within their discipline. I said, we have something they don't. We have the power of prayer. We have the power of the spoken word. The word of God can bring about change in the natural realm. I said, let's not give up. Let's fight for him. Let's pray for his healing, declare his healing, believe for his healing, proclaim his healing. Let's go to war. Let's get some people praying for him. She goes, you're exactly right. She goes, you're right. She just kind of caught herself and just, you know, she was just really losing her footing and just in so much fear and just giving up. She goes, no, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. I said, let's just pray right now. We started praying right there on the phone and just praying, God, you hear our prayers and uh, your grace is your good we're asking for healing you say i can ask anything in your name jesus and you would do that we're asking we're asking for him save his life restore him bring him back and then we got some other people praying on that and so uh by morning i got another phone call and uh, she said uh he's still with us and in fact there's a little bit of an indication that this may be turning around But they're not getting their hopes up, but they just said, you know what, Uh, let's hold on and see what happens. Got a call later on that afternoon, and they said, actually we're turning him back over, his oxygen is coming up. So they did that. A Couple days later they said, we think he's gonna make it. We've talked to the doctor, the staff, the nurses, and everyone thinks he's gonna make it. They said, but the problem right now is he's vomiting. And when he vomits because of the medications, When he vomits, he's aspirating. And so we can't, we got to correct that because if we don't, he's going to go right back where he was before and we're probably going to lose him. So she said, uh, you know, we got a big problem, you know? I said, well, let's address that. Look what God's already done. He was supposed to pass away. I said, let's get specific and ask for that. So we did. We said, God, he's vomiting due to the meds. We need him to quit vomiting, touch him, and, and help him so he's no longer nauseated, so he's not vomiting. We ask this in Jesus' name, and Father, we thank you before you even do it. We want to give you thanks and praise that you're going to do that for us. So 24 hours later, I get my next update. They said, he hasn't vomited one time in the last 24 hours. It just stopped on a dime. So they're really impressed, and they said he's at the next, the next level where he needed to be in this process. So they finally came to the point where they needed to get him off the ventilator so he could breathe on his own. And that was gonna be a big deal because they did it once and his oxygen levels dropped and they had to intubate him a second time. And so I'm not a doctor, but what they told me was that when you intubate, that's really risky and it can cause a lot of damage. And so if they have to intubate twice, then that just ups all of those risks. And a third time, usually people don't, If they do it three times usually you know there's you know it is it that, that whole risk factor is just leaping right so they said uh yeah you know they had to intubate him again so they said we want to bring him back off but we're concerned that if we do that too early and we have to intubate again then you know we're back where we were before so i said well let's pray about that so we did every time we were given instructions by the doctors concerning the problem we prayed and asked God specifically to address that problem God loves specifics by the way you can't pray general prayers general prayers don't work God's not gonna get glory from a general prayer he's gonna get glory when you make it very very specific so that when it's done the glory goes to him so we did we prayed for that and they took him off the vents and his oxygen stayed up and they didn't have to do that again and now he is back they took the chest tubes out, and his next stop is to another hospital where he's going to be rehabbed for 30 days. They said he's made it. He's, he's, he's good to go, and he's going to go into rehab now. And I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing, but we saw that through step by step, and we said, we're, you know, we appreciate what the doctors were saying, but that's not the last word. See, God's word is the last word. He has the last say. And I think no matter what it is, no matter who's speaking to you, never let that define you and never let that be the last word. Understand that God who created all things seen and unseen is madly in love with you and he's asking you to ask him. Whatever your need is, bring it to him and trust him. And he can do it all and does it all. So, think about how positive words spoken to you impacted you in your life. Anyone ever say to you, you know, you're great and you're going to do great things. There's nothing you can't do. You're so smart. You're a winner. You can do anything. You were rich in so many ways. You will be healed. You will be whole. You'll succeed in life. You're uniquely beautiful. Many will love you, and you're going to get to choose the one that you'll love back. You will be debt-free in your future. Your promotion is coming. Your sins are forgiven. See, when people speak words that are affirming over you, it changes everything. Just like negative words can impair you for years and years and years, positive life-giving words can free you, liberate you, empower you in ways you had never dreamed of. My senior year in high school, let me tell you something. Um, when, when I grew up, I grew up in a home that we didn't really have uh, this idea about you know, death and life were in the power of the tongue. We didn't understand those things. And our, our, our family, is, we were like artists and our art form was cutting each other down with words, mocking each other, making fun of each other, giving nicknames that were you know, derogatory in many ways. And uh, we, would, we just did that. We grew up like that. It was devastating. It was devastating. When I was in high school, by the time I was in high school, I had no self-esteem. Man, I'll tell you what, on the outside, I was rough and tough, but on the inside, man, I was hurting. I, I, you know, I had all kinds of issues. Man, I'll tell you what, I, I just, I, in so many ways, you know, I was just like an introvert because of my lack of confidence. And so here I am living in this shell of just all these fears and all these insecurities. I'm sitting in a group. In my senior year at a catholic school and and my teacher she she was a nun sister jane she'd speak some words that day that would change my life forever i really looked up to her i just had so much invested in who she was and 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 just really liked her and so she said i want everyone to get in a circle she says This is your senior year. You're going to graduate in a couple weeks, and I want to say some things to each of you before you graduate because I'll probably never see you again after that. She said, so I want to make sure I say some things. So we sat in this group, and she went around the group just saying, you know, what was on her heart to different students. And she came around to me, and she said, Mark, you have remarkable gifts deep inside of you. I've seen them. She says, you have tremendous influence. You may not realize it, but you're an influencer. And she says, and you're going to bring a life-giving dynamic into every group you're a part of, whether it's sports or your workplace. Doesn't matter. Whatever group you're in, you're going to have influence. You're going to bring about change, and people are going to follow you. And I'm thinking, I mean, I'm just thinking, what? You know? But I'm liking it. You know, it's like, say some more, you know. I like that, you know. But it, res- it resonated with, it, with, within me, deep within me. Yeah, that turned my life around. When I started to believe that, because I did, I sensed it was a God thing. When I was in high school, I sensed that was a God thing. That began to do some things in me that turned some things around that I just was shocked with. And before I knew it, I found myself rising up in different groups kind of leading, being the influencer. People started following me. I thought, man, all that stuff she said is coming to pass. Yeah, I had no idea that later on in life I'd be leading a community, you know, that I'd be speaking every week. I was so afraid to speak. I wouldn't speak in groups at all. Maybe one-on-one, put me in a group and mom's the word, right? Had all these insecurities. Now I can't shut up. You can't give me a group big enough. I'm serious. Put me in front of thousands, man. It just turns my wheels now, you know? Everything changed. That word spoken to me changed my life. Now I had to choose to believe it and begin to walk in it, but that word spoken over me changed my life. Amazing in every way. You may not be able to control what others say about you, but you can be a life giving force to all of those around you you can't stop what people say to you but you can be a life-giving force in what you say to others proverbs chapter 4 verses 20 through 21 my son give attention to my words you're a child of god god is speaking to you today he's saying to each of you children Give attention to my words. How how much attention do you give to his word? Is he saying do that once a year? Is he saying do that once every six months? What do you think? Daily. He says, give me your time and energy. Look at my word. Give attention to my ideas. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight Keep them in the midst of your heart. In the Hebrew, the word heart is actually, includes and is centered in the mind. Okay? God's saying, give attention to my words. Listen to them. Let them go deep in your mind. And guard them there. Yeah. Garbage in, garbage out. What are you putting into your mind? What are you putting into your brain? What are you embracing? What ideas, right? What thoughts? What words that others have spoken over you that you've like embraced and put into your your mind? Nothing more devastating than someone that you look up to saying something like, you're stupid, you'll never be anything. That's paralyzing. You know what? You don't have to receive that. You don't have to embrace that. You can counter that with what your Father in Heaven is saying about you. You can change all of that. You can change your life by changing the way you think. And lining up with what God says about you changes everything. Verse 22, for they are life to those who find them and health to all of their body. I'm in the word of God every day. I love the word of God. I love my time with the Lord. I put that in. It's a storehouse. I just fill up my storehouse with his word, right? Right? its health, to their whole body, life, vitality, energy. The word of God is like the fountain of life. It brings energy. And I put it in me. I start my day out. I get, up in the, I get up in the morning. Baruch Hashem. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you for another day. What are we going to do today, right? Man, I'll tell you what. His word brings life and healing to our physical bodies. Verse 23, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Guard your hearts. I guard mine. I'm very, very careful with what goes into my mind. People that say negative things all the time, you know, or criticize, I hold that at bay. I'm very, very careful what's going to come into my mind, into my heart. I guard my heart with diligence. You know what it means to be diligent? It means to be focused at all times. I'm telling you what, I'm on guard at all times, right? Think about it. What we allow into our mind through our eyes and our ears, think of art and entertainment, right? Whatever we allow in are like seeds, and those seeds are going to grow and they're going to produce after their own kind. What you let in is going to bring death, it's going to diminish your life or it's going to enhance your life. You get to decide that. That doesn't just happen. That's not happenstance. That that we're responsible for what we let into us because what we let into us is either going to bring life and enhance it or it's going to diminish our life and make us miserable. Matthew 12, 33 through 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruits. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. What you're saying is coming out of stuff you put inside of you. It arises out of your storehouse. What you put in influences you, shapes you, and then you simply begin to act all that out as things happen to you in your life. Verse 35, The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. Big question, right? What are you depositing in your treasure chest? What are you putting into your mind? Because it's that that you've put into you that you're going to draw out of in life. It's either going to be death or life, right? What do you watch on TV? I mean, the average amount of time we spend watching TV, I think it's like 30 hours a week. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of data entries, right? whole lot of stuff going in. Movies, books, music. What kind of music do we listen to, right? This this is not about, whoa, you're listening to bad music. Shame on you. No, it's not about shame. It's about what are you putting in? Because if you're putting stuff in that produces death, that diminishes your life, that's what I'm getting at. Let's not diminish our lives let's enhance our lives right tvs movies books what are we putting in see if we spend time with god daily in his word we're putting good stuff in we're orienting ourselves we're changing the way we look at the world we live in the way we treat one another all of that's good stuff reading great books there's a lot of good TV programs. There's a lot of good movies. There's a lot of good music you can listen to. Man, I listen to so much music. I love music. It's my favorite art. And I just like, I can't sing. I can't play anything, but I know good music. And I listen to a lot every day. I listen to, I listen to hours of music daily, average over the week. It comes out to hours daily. I love it. All of that goes in me. It's shaping me. It's helping me. It's producing seed after its own kind. And I listen to a lot of great godly music. And I do listen to secular music too. Because there's no decade like the 70s. And there's some really good music. Bobby D, Bob Dylan, man, I'm telling you. But there's a lot of bad stuff too, right? There's a lot of felt, a lot of negativity, a lot of violence out there. I mean, think about, think about the games that kids play today on their videos, right? So violent. Just, just, just you know, just games where you're just killing things and people. How, do that, how does that shape the psyche of our kids when they're growing up? How do they view one another, you know? What does that look at like when they finally act all that out? Careful what you put in. Because what you put in is going to come out someday. And it's either going to be good or it's going to be evil. He goes on to say, But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. Every careless word. Why? Because even though it's a careless word, it's a powerful word. So be careful what you say. We should be careful what we say, especially when it comes in the form of, of, of cynicism or criticism towards each other. Man, it can, just, it can just really bring destruction in people's lives. We're beat up enough in this world. We don't need people around us taking shots. Our own brothers and sisters taking shots. Man, we need to build each other up. In Acts chapter 1, it talks about your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Let me just read that. Acts chapter 1 and verse 17. It shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. To prophesy means to speak or proclaim and declare God's word by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It brings us back to this idea of the power of words. God says, my sons and daughter, they're going to speak forth my word. They're going to prophesy because that's how I created all things. That's how I sustain all things. That's how I transform all things by the power of my word. And they're going to be like me, their father in heaven. And they're going to do the same thing with their words. The power of the spoken word. It produces the very dynamics of signs and wonders. You need to know God's word in order to know his will, in order to prophesy effectively now i was talking about this earlier we all talk to ourselves you ever say to yourself that was stupid have you ever said to yourself you're stupid you ever said to yourself you're unattractive you'll never find a mate you'll never get promoted look at you i mean we do that all the time our own hearts condemn us And it's worse when we line up our lips with that. Do you know you can speak to yourself and transform your soul? We need to learn to speak God's will, his word, his purposes, and promises over our lives. We're not called to embrace our circumstances as unchangeable, right? We're not to agree with the mountains in our path that they're not movable right we need to line up with what god's saying we need to live by the word of god not by what we see and this is where it gets fun because lining up with him and speaking his word is the very basis for signs and wonders and we all love those we all love to see the mountains in our lives get removed who doesn't like that right That only happens when we're lined up with God, when we're speaking His Word over our lives. Let me give some examples. A lot of people really struggle in the area of forgiveness. And I'm talking about forgiving themselves. A lot of people can extend mercy and grace to one another, but when it comes to themselves for whatever reason, they just can't do that, or they don't do that very well. You know what? That needs to change. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. If you can't love yourself, I mean, that's a pretty desperate place. Well, how do you love yourself? Same way you love other people. Someone sins against you, it takes love to forgive them. When you say to someone who's sinned against you, you say, I forgive you. What does that communicate to them? That they're loved by you because love covers a multitude of sin. And aren't you grateful when they forgive you, your loved ones? Absolutely. Well, you need to forgive yourself. You need to love yourself enough to forgive yourself for things that you've done. Stand in front of the mirror. Look yourself in the face and say, I forgive. I'm cleansed. I'm accepted by God. I'm one of his children. You might have to say that over and over and over, day after day. It might take months before you finally birth some faith to grab hold of it. That's true. And when you do, it's going to change you. I'm lovable. I'm beautiful. I'm important. I'm loving and I'm merciful. I'm powerful. I'm smart. I'm rich in Messiah and riches will come to me. I will succeed in life. I will succeed in life. How many people have failed in life? You ever fail in anything? Yeah, you know what? That's. Where you learn most. You learn most in your failures, but never let it define you. It doesn't matter if you failed, would you learn in that? And then go have a talk with yourself and tell yourself, yeah, you failed, but that's okay. You're not a failure. It doesn't define you, and you will succeed. You will succeed. It doesn't matter what it is. Well, I lost my job. Well, you'll get another one. Why well, didn't make it on the team. Well, we'll make it on the next team. You know, you just build some confidence in who God is and how much he loves you and speak to yourself words of life. I will be healed. I am healed even when I'm not. I, I speak it as though it is. I will get promoted. I will find a godly spouse. I will have children. And will teach them about God and his ways. Whatever it is that you need, you line it up with the will of God and you speak it and you believe it and you get ready because it's going to come to you. It's going to come to you. Nothing can stop the will of God for your life. Nothing. Nothing can stop that. So in summary, words have power to diminish life or enhance it. God's Word spoken at His direction will produce signs and wonders that will bring about transformation. Let's get in the Word daily, learn to love it, speak it, declare it, and live it. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Your victory, your breakthrough is right around the corner. Don't give up. Hang in there. His Word will never fail you. So in conclusion, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says this, Now these things happened as examples for us. He's talking about the days of Moses and all that happened to Israel. as They came out of Egypt, went to the Mount Sinai, and they went into the, the uh, wilderness. He says, concerning those stories, those things happened as examples for us. Who's the us? the audience in his day. It's actually Paul's way of saying all of these things happened as an example for every generation so that every generation can learn from the mistakes of their ancestors so that they don't make the same mistakes and suffer similar consequences. Yeah, one of the biggest motivators in life is avoiding pain. We all like to avoid pain. So we do whatever we can to avoid pain. I'm like that. I grew up in a family of five. My dad was a military uh, man and saw a year and a half of live combat in Korea every day on the front lines for a year and a half. Saw a lot of killing, a lot of bloodshed, a lot of violence. And he came home and he ran the home like he was still in the military. Wow. So, uh, and and back in the day, you could actually spank your kids. Man, I'll tell you what. I was all about avoiding pain. No matter what happened in our household, I had like a little black book, you know. My little brother's getting a beating, I'm writing down there. Okay, don't do this. Because that's going to result in that, you know. And I'm learning from my older siblings and I'm straightening up and walking the straight and narrow because I didn't want to get the whoopings. So I learned from my brothers' and sisters' mistakes. And I did. I bypassed a lot of what would happened to me had I made those same mistakes. Paul's saying, read the text. Find yourself in the stories. Who do you line up with? Because what you want to do is figure these things out so you don't make the same mistakes that they made. God did that for you so you could actually avoid consequences that you do not need in life. 1 Corinthians 7, or chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. He goes on to say, Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did, and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example. This is the second time he says this. These things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. They were written for our instruction. See after me. They were written for me. From my instruction. I will learn from them, and I will apply the principles learned. Amen. Joshua says this. So God's God speaking to Joshua. I want you to understand that what's written here is for you. So you put yourself in Joshua's shoes. You receive this word because it's written for you. Quit saying, oh, that's for Joshua, or that's for the Jews. No, this is the living word of God written for all of his children, Jewish and non-Jewish. When I read the text, I put myself in the text. I let the text speak to me. It informs me, it teaches me, and then I live it out. Here it is, the word of the Lord to you. Only be strong and very courageous. Most of us live lives of fear. We're worried about this or that, and then we make decisions based on fear. Free yourself. Understand who you are in the Messiah, that all of heaven is standing behind you. You're made in the image of your, of your Father through the spoken word. You can create signs and wonders. You can change the world you're living in. Only be courageous. Be careful to do according to all of the Torah, God's instructions for living. According to all the Torah which Moses, my servant, commanded you, do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the Torah shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous then you will have success have i not commanded you be strong and courageous do not tremble or be dismayed for the lord your god is with you wherever you go who's with you the one who created all things seen and unseen the one who has limitless power authority and glory He's with you wherever you go. You're never alone. You know, my favorite thing I want to say to people in situations where they're really um, up to no good and trying to hurt me or hold me back, I always want to say to them, do you know who I am? I, I, I usually don't do that, but I'm, I'm thinking, I really want to say, do you know who I am? I am a child of the living God who created all things seen and unseen. And I'm learning how all that works. Back off! Leave me alone! Love me! For your own safety. No, for your own good, right? See, I think that the anointing of the evil one is fear. And the anointing of God is love. And it always produces faith. And that faith gives us us a courage to face all of our giants. Okay. Let's come back down to slide 28. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Learn how to control your tongue. Be careful what you speak. Your words have power. They'll affect you and everyone else. So keep that in mind when you're wanting to say stuff. Now, if we want to change the world around us, we will need to speak, proclaim, and declare the will and word of God. I don't know why it works. I just know it does. I've seen it over and over and over, how the spoken word can change Circumstances can bring about tremendous change. Mark chapter 11. It's a great story. It begins at verse 12. Jesus has been taking his disciples to Jerusalem, and then at nightfall they all come back to Bethany, right outside of Jerusalem, and they spend the night at Bethany. And then in the morning they get back up and go to Jerusalem. Then in the evening they come back to Bethany. So we're jumping in the middle of one of these trips says, on the next day, when they had left Bethany, he became hungry, Jesus, seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, and he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it, and when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Verse 14, he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. Now, there's some odd things in the passage right away that stand out. How come Jesus is talking to a plant, right? What's up with that? I mean, typically plants don't have cognitive abilities to receive communication. So why is he speaking to the fig tree? And his disciples are listening. What does that tell us? He's actually trying to teach them something. Obviously, he's speaking because they're listening. This is for them, not the fig tree. He wants to teach them something about the spoken word. So he speaks to the tree. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. As they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree. This is the next morning. So he he curses it, and then the next morning, they're back, and as they're walking on their little uh, paths to Jerusalem, it says they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. Peter's amazed. He's perplexed. He's like, what? What? He stops the entourage. Look, everyone, look, Jesus. That tree that you spoke to actually responded, and it's dead. It'll never produce figs again. And Jesus answered, verse 22, saying to them, the disciples, have faith in God. Have faith in God. That's an interesting statement when you think about it. He's saying, I spoke to the tree, and the tree responded, You're amazed? Don't you understand the nature of faith? Have you not learned yet the power of the spoken word? He says to them, have faith in God. Now, now he's going to tie this in, but before we get there, I'm going to jump over to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You cannot please God any other way than through the realm of faith. You're not going to please God by complaining about your circumstances. You're not going to please God or win his favor by mumbling and grumbling about your circumstances. You're not going to move the heart of God by telling him how big your giant is and how you can't get beyond him. God doesn't respond to that. God responds to faith. God responds to faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. When you come to God, don't come with your complaints. I mean, it's okay, you know, to say, here's my circumstances. But you got to move beyond that to the realm of faith. He already knows your circumstances anyway, right? He already knows that. When we come to him, God's saying, hey, I want you to come to me believing I can do anything. You need to come with the understanding, I can do it all. There's nothing I can't do. Come to me believing that and also come to me with the realization that I'm going to reward you for coming to me. You know, our concept of God's got to change. I saw a meme the other day that said, I messed up. God's going to kill me. And then below it, it said, I messed up. I'm calling my father. Yeah. What a difference, huh? God is for you. He's not against you. You come to him. Whatever your needs are, whatever your problems, whatever your mistakes, whatever your your failures are, you come to God believing that he's going to help you, that he's going to reward you, that he loves you. He's for you. And you can come with any challenge in your life, any mess up, whatever it is. He's your father and he can make it happen for you. He can change everything for you. So Jesus says, have faith in God. Back to verse 20, or 23, yeah. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. It's probably talking about the Mount of Olives, which is right there between Bethany and Jerusalem. He's saying, you think that's a big thing with the fig tree? You could actually move that mountain. Have faith in God. God can do it all. God God who made all things out of nothing can do anything. There's nothing that limits God. Your job is to have faith and then to speak to your mountain. It says, whoever says to this mountain, you got to speak it. Get beyond that silent prayer closet you got and get up and go to your giants and speak to your giant. Speak to the mountain that's holding you back. Speak to that circumstance, like he spoke to the tree, right? Speak the word to your giants, to your mountains. Tell them to get up and get out of the way. You're a child of God. And don't doubt in your heart for one moment, That God isn't going to help you overcome your Goliath or move your mountain. He's a rewarder for those who seek him. Jesus says, ask anything in my name and I will do it that the Father may be glorified. Don't doubt, says, but believe that what you say is going to happen. What you speak is going to happen and it will be granted you. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. You know, so when I'm praying for whatever my need is, I speak to my circumstances. I'll speak over and over and over. At a given point, though, I move beyond that. I begin to to thank God for the answer that has not yet come. I thank him as if I already have it. This is part of the confidence of faith. It's getting to a place where you realize God's going to do it. It's just a matter of timing. And now I'm thanking him for it and I'm ready to go. I'm not worried about the giant. I'm not worried about the mountain. I'm just living for God every day because I know that's going to be moved. It's just a matter of timing. We've seen that over and over. You know, I don't pray if I don't have faith. If I can't believe that God's going to give me what I'm asking for, I don't ask him. It's a waste of time. It says right here, you gotta believe you're gonna receive. That's why you gotta be in the word to understand who the father is and what his will is so that you can pray in alignment with that with great confidence. And then God will move on your behalf. So what's your mountain? What is your mountain in your life? What's your giant, what is your Goliath? Cancer? Poverty? Depression? Prison? What is it? You speak the word to it. You speak it every day. And you begin to intercede and ask God to move your mountain. And you join him and take an authority over it. And you watch him move on your behalf. And take that giant out of the way and take that circumstance and turn it all around. Because that's how he's going to do it. Through his word. So we have a mandate. We're called to proclaim the good news of King Jesus and his kingdom of love, redemption, healing, and wholeness. That's what we do. We're called to help people connect and enter into the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus. And then to teach them the Torah, God's instructions for how to live life and how to slay our giants and how to move our mountains so that they can experience the overcoming power of the love of God in their life and in the world that we live in. This is what we do. This is what we're called to do. So let's remind ourselves daily that when we pray, we can change everything. I'm out of time, but I just want to close with, there's a lot of giants in the land today. Our open borders and all the sex trafficking that is spawned by that, all the drug abuse, all the deaths, right? Think of some of our national issues right now that are going on. We can change that. We have the keys to change not only our personal lives, our neighborhoods, our cities. We can change the nation. I really believe that some of our prayers that we've been praying in our intercession times actually has changed how people voted on some of the big issues over the last several months. I do. I know God hears our prayers. I know God's trying to bring about his will and kingdom on earth as it is in heaven to influence the nations. People, I'm telling you right now, being God's word daily, know who you are, your authority and your power. Build yourselves up. Free yourself. Empower yourselves to help others. And let's change the world that we're living in. This is our destiny. This is who we are. God bless you. Shabbat shalom.